Good evening. Um, I'll call this meeting to order. Uh, roll call. Uh, <laughs> Hello. Could you do the roll call, please? Councilor Nenloa? Here. Councilor Brownson? Here. Councilor Price? Here. Councilor Jones? Here. Mayor Lemire? Here. Thank you very much. Uh, tonight's City Council meeting is a public hearing and an appeal AP 1803 by Sam Mullen on behalf of Hollander Hospitality of the Design Review Committee Review DR 18-01 and appeal AP 18-04 by Sam Mullen on behalf of Hollander Hospitality of Historic Landmarks Commission Review NC 18 Mayor, if you would uh, like, uh, staff can give some introductory remarks before uh, you open the public hearing. And for those in the audience tonight, uh, the council will be holding a singular public hearing for both appeal items so that uh, folks are able to testify uh, with regards to those items uh, together rather than having to split them apart. Uh, but uh, as the mayor said, this is an appeal hearing uh, for two items associated with the Fairfield Hotel. And I'm going to turn it over to Nancy Ferber, who is our city planner, uh, to start off uh, the introduction to be able to set the table for uh, these uh, two considerations. Thank you, Scott. Um, so I have a couple, just a very brief um, slides to kind of review what's been reviewed by HLC and DRC because both both reviewed very different sets of criteria. So as the mayor mentioned, this is for the four-story hotel that was proposed at the base of one second street. That's the current location of Stephanie's cabin, the ship in, and a vacant lot right now. Um, the code requires that this particular site be reviewed for HLC because it's adjacent to a historic landmark. I'll explain more about that in a minute. It's also in our bridge vista overlay zone, which requires review by DRC. So that's an overlay district that's part of the riverfront vision plan. Um, the timeline for this, just so we have in mind, um, the original application was received in June and was reviewed by DRC. Well, it was reviewed by DRC and HLC at their June meeting. They continued that review to adopt findings of facts at the July 10th meeting. They both unanimously denied the proposal. Um, and then subsequently the appeal was submitted in early July, which brings us to the city council hearing tonight. As for any land use issue, um, we have a 120 day window that's required by Oregon land use laws, and that window ends at the end of August. There is an option for the applicant to um, extend that window and waive that requirement, which we can talk about later with some options for our final decisions. But just keeping in mind that, that um, August 28th is kind of the the deadline for making an official decision as of right now. The original proposal, um, there's some information in the back and in the packets, was a four-story commercial building. It was approximately 29,782 square feet. There's a 30,000 square foot limit at that site. The use is an outright permitted use in C3, so both HLC and DRC didn't review the use of the hotel itself. They were just looking at the, um, the design, the location, and the massing, the sort of aesthetic um, and materials used for the site. So it wasn't reviewing if the hotel was allowed there or not. Stephanie's cabin is currently not part of the proposal in that original submission. Um, the applicant indicated that they were gonna keep that on site. As noted in some of the documents for those original 
HLC and DRC materials any use at that site would trigger parking requirements and the parking is currently maxed out by the hotel proposal so parking would need to be located off-site with the parking agreement but that wasn't part of the, the original proposal it was looking at Stephanie's um, cabin it's not, it's not part of the current proposal. Um, the location again is at the base of 2nd Street that blue area is the Bridge Vista overlay zone that triggered the review for the DRC Bottom photos are for the historic review. Um, the historic review is a little unusual. Usually there's a building triggering review. If there's new construction, new construction comes under review by HLC for compatibility to an adjacent historic structure. In this case, there were three structures considered um, historic that were designated in November 2015. And they weren't buildings, but they were pilings out in the river, um, the boiler and ballast rocks, which were all associated with canneries located in the area. And this is documented in those original uh, materials that HLC reviewed. So it was particularly challenging to, to come up with a building design um, that reflects not a building, but those historically designated structures. And there's some additional findings in the supplemental findings that delineates what a structure is technically defined as um, versus a building, and even though there's no building triggered review at the site, the structures in the, in the river um, triggered historic review. So it's a bit unusual, but HLC kind of muddled through that one and, and made some findings for that. Um, the criteria, there is a specific criteria for both DRC and HLC. I've split them up into two. DRC really looks at new construction kind of starting from scratch. There's different criteria for on-land versus over-water development. So this one fell within the on-land standards, which reviewed heights, step, step backs, setbacks, that's the tiering of the building, the gross floor area, and then what we call non-industrial design standards, so design aesthetics related to awnings, windows, siding, exterior wall treatments, um, and then landscaping, parking, and signage at the site. So all those come under review by DRC in addition to the building orientation, the form, and then any other structure, structures on the site, like trash enclosures or generators, things like that. Um, as with any land use decision at the HTC or DRC level, the comprehensive plan must come into play and a proposal has to be um, compatible and in compliance with the comprehensive plan. So I outlined some sections that were triggered in the comprehensive plan, including historic preservation, the original intent of the Riverfront Vision Plan, um, the Columbia River Estuary, land and water use elements, and then economic development related to development on the waterfront. That's just the DRC side of things. HLC reviews a little bit different criteria, and theirs is a little bit more flexible. Um, so really there are two things that trigger review for new construction. Part A, and this is directly out of the development code, part A is the design of the proposed structure has to be compatible with the adjacent historic structures. So again, it's not building in the area, but those structures that are in the river. And the compatibility is based on the scale, style, height, architectural detailing, and materials of the new building. Part B is a little more um, associated with the location and the actual footprint of the building itself. So making sure it's compatible with um, structures in the area, not necessarily just the historic structures, but typical structures located around it. So it doesn't have to be compatible with just the boiler, but it has to be compatible with the other structures. Um, in terms of locations and setbacks and entrances. Again, the comprehensive plan has to be in compliance with the proposal, so there's a little bit different sections for this one, but they're pretty similar to the DRC proposal. Um, but again, we're combining both reviews into this one. I'm sorry the background color changed on this, and it's hard to read. Um, DRC reviewed 
and had concerns with the height, the windows, the sidings, the awnings, the building form, and compliance with the comprehensive plan. HLC to the right um, had issues noted in their findings of facts related to the design, the style, the scale, the height, the details, materials, and location and orientation as well as compliance with the comprehensive plan. So those were the two main areas that were outlined in those original findings that did not meet criteria, which led to the denial. Um, this was the original proposal by the applicant and tried to pull out just photos from kind of one of each side. In their appeal that was submitted um, and is now under review, I'm sorry again, it's hard to read, um, that the applicant pulled out some sections that they wanted further clarification on. I outlined those additional details and some supplemental findings of facts, again outlining what a structure versus the building is considered, why those elements were, came under review, why compliance with the comprehensive plan is required, um, and some additional detailing, which I'm happy to answer tonight as well. And then finally, I'm going to let Brett kind of elaborate on this um, slide of suggested options on how to move forward considering that 120-day notice. Um, and there's kind of four key, key areas with some triggers that will require additional discussion. So before you uh, open the public hearing and take testimony, just to outline you know, different um, areas to look at moving forward, you know, the options before you are to deny the appeal, which uh, would uphold uh, the uh, the uh, I'm gonna say this is actually reversed. Actually, it'd be to approve the appeal. Um, it would uphold the uh, design review committee and HLC decision. Um, and deny um, <laughs> <laughs> the appeal would, would uphold the design review committee and HLC decision and, and denies the proposal. Um, you could continue the hearing. Uh, in that case, if you were to continue the hearing, uh, the applicant would need to extend the 120-day rule uh, if uh, it was passed the uh, 29th of this month. Um, the city attorney could go into more detail about uh, what happens you know, specifically, but if the uh, hearing and the decision is made after the the 120-day rule, it allows for the applicant in this case uh, to be able to um, go to circuit court to receive a decision. And so uh, that's outlined per Oregon State statutes with regards to Oregon land use law. Um, if the uh, item were, uh, if there was a reversal of the HLC and design review committee decision, and uh, you approve the appeal, uh, there may need to be an, ex an extension as well of the 120-day rule because there need to be revised findings prepared. The findings uh, do not, uh, are now in place or for denial of both of these applications. There's always the opportunity to remand uh, an item back to the Historical Landmarks Commissioner Design Review Committee. However, in that case, there would need to be an extension of the 120-day rule by the applicant as well uh, to be able to provide more time for uh, that decision to be made. And the only entity that is able to extend the 120-day rule is the applicant. Uh, the, the city cannot 
dictate that the 120 day rule be extended. So uh, that's kind of just some options to, uh, to be, uh, be moving forward. Um, I know that uh, the applicant is prepared to make a presentation on some changes uh, that are proposed. Uh, staff is not going into any detail on those items um, in that uh, those plans were received today. There has been no technical analysis completed of these plans. Uh, so if there's uh, questions from council as to whether or not the design uh, is confirmed that it meets a certain standard, none of that analysis has occurred. Um, and so um, we wouldn't be able to be prepared to give you any any direction on that today. But at least the applicant is, is willing to be able to come forward and, and provide some uh, proposals to you with some uh, revisions uh, that uh, they'd like to have you consider. Uh, but we won't go into detail on that. We'll let them take care of that as part of their presentation. Can I, can I ask a question before we open hearing about that process? So as I was listening and following along with the, the process, the options you've outlined, yeah. in my mind, it was all relative to the proposal that went through the DRC and the HLC. Right. But now, as you mentioned, we have the added twist of they have today brought an entirely new design for us to look at. So how, do, how does the new design fit into these four options and what, if anything, is different about these options in light of this new design, which the, neither the DRC or the HLC have seen? I'm going to let the city attorney maybe speak to that a little bit more as to considering the new, the new plans, which are going to be brought forward tonight. Well, I suppose what you could do is um, approve the appeal and approve those plans, or you could remand the matter um, back to the historic, historic landmarks and DRC uh, to review the new plans, or you could uh, continue the hearing to give you guys a chance and staff a chance to review the plans and come up with uh, their analysis of the new plans. But, um, it would seem to me that the last two choices are the most reasonable. Uh, I don't think anybody is in a position today to approve this plan. There's just too much that's not known about it. And so with the fourth option, with the remand of the new plan, that would require either A, you being able to get the HLC and DRC committee members together prior to the 29th for them to review it. It's not, yeah, there, there wouldn't be not, not an option. Not an option. So it would require the appellant to grant the right. extension. Right. Yeah, 29th being next week. Um, and I believe a whole and a 21 day notice would be required before that. So there's just not logistically enough time in the flat calendar to make that work. Thank you. Mr. City Manager, can you remind us um, who sits on the design review committee in terms of which positions um, uh, are required to be filled? Do you know off the top of top of your head?
too. You had a rough time. That's a pretty good guess if you want to fill in the details. Yeah. It's one member, the DRC is five, um, five people. One is a member of the HRC, one is an architect or designer, one is a business owner, and then I think the other two are people at large. Or developer. Maybe one's a developer, one's a designer. And then HLC doesn't have specific permission. Yeah. I, like just, I just found it right as you said. Design review committee shall consist of five individuals and include a builder, a design professional, including an architect, landscape architect, building designer, or artist, a business person, a citizen representative, and a member of the Historic Landmarks Commission. Thank you, and I apologize for, for putting you on the spot there. No, no problem. Are there no more questions of staff? Mayor, if you want to open here. Do I open the hearing or do I open the hearing? No, that would be opening the hearing now. So you would uh, start the whole process, right? Okay. Does anyone object to the jurisdiction of the City Council to hear th this matter at this time? I, I do. It, it seems like if there's a new proposal that's been brought in that nobody has had a chance to review. My name is Jan Faber. I live at 3015 Harrison Avenue, Astoria, Oregon. Um, and I would say that if you have just received a proposal that is supposed to be part of this review process, something that you have not had a chance to review, that the, the population has not had a chance to review, the idea of holding a hearing, or I mean, I don't even know what you're reviewing. Are you reviewing an appeal from the plan that was presented to the two committees? Are you reviewing a new submission? If it's a new submission, it should come as a new submission, but I don't see how we can possibly conduct a hearing on something that none of us have had access to. Um, and if, it's, if, it's, if this is an appeal, then there can't be new um, information and new proposal put in. It's got to be an appeal from what was reviewed by the Historic Landmarks Commission and the Design Review Commission, and that's it. So I don't see how you can have jurisdiction to have a hearing on something that wasn't before anybody. So maybe to provide a little bit of information and then the city attorney can weigh in as well. And that this be a de novo hearing, it means that anyone in the public is able to participate and be able to speak to the issue even if they didn't participate in the initial set of hearings. And that new testimony is able to be submitted as well. And maybe the city attorney be able to weigh in any more on that. Well, actually, the mayor's question was say we object to the jurisdiction of the body to hear this matter. And there's no question this, this body has jurisdiction to hear this. Michael Miller and I have the same sort of uh, question about your ability to hear a new design because once it's a new design it has to go through the legal processes that you have set up. That's my understanding. Uh, I am no lawyer but uh, I I think what we want to do though tonight, whether we continue this or remand it or whatever of those choices we choose, and probably be one of those last two, 
would, is that we need to hear what this new proposal is. I would like to hear from the architects what uh, they have in mind and how they've changed it, how they've uh, uh, made the changes that the uh, HLC and the DRC uh, requested. So it, it doesn't mean we're going to make a decision tonight. It, it, it just means that we want to hear this information. Is that fair to the well, Mayor, I think that that's a reasonable perspective, but um, I tend to agree with Jan. I'm really frustrated that, you know, we just got these new, this new design this afternoon. You know, I worked today. I was running my kids around, you know, and I got a text that a new design came in after I've spent, you know, hours of my life reading through, you know, this, these other designs. And this is an issue that a lot of people care about and have commented on and are here to comment tonight. And the council is not prepared to make a decision on this. The citizens are not prepared to provide input. And staff has not done a technical analysis. Um, you know, so at, at this point, I really think that it should be remanded uh, back to the Design Review Committee and Historic Landmarks. Um, commission, uh, the design review committee is, has, um, it's a citizen appointed review committee with specific expertise in design. Um, and so, you know, I just, I don't, you know, we were supposed to be um, looking at an appeal of a, a design that's much different than what we've been uh, presented with today. And what we've been presented with might be a better design, but it's, it's brand new. Thank you. Anyone else? Yeah, I, I appreciate uh, that there is a new design, uh, but I agree entirely uh, with all the comments uh, Councilor Nimaloil just said, and I'm, uh, I, I believe that, um, that this should be, we should, I, I would ask the applicants to extend the 120-day to waive that 120 days, we need another at least 45, I would think, for, for staff and for public comment and for council to, if necessary, to review. And uh, so I would ask for that, that we remand uh, to, um, if not the HLC, but perhaps to them too, certainly to the Design Review Committee, and that you grant us 45 days to do that. Councilor, I say if you're remanding it, 45 days is not enough time. How much time do you need? Because um, it would need to be able to be come back to the city council again. So you would need to have a full number of 120 days because that includes if there were review by those uh, lower boards to have subsequent appeals back to the city council. Thank you. Well, then 120 days. Uh, I, it, it, uh, if you feel that this is a worthy design that you would like to have in the city of Astoria, then it is worth going through the public process. This is very important to our community, and uh, I know that you want to be here, so let's let's do it right. So, can I make a motion? Well, how, how do we go about it? We have to get uh, uh, agreement from the applicant first, or can I make a motion? Well, at this, point, put on the spot at this point, the applicant has a right to be heard. 
Um, it is an appeal. Uh, they filed appeal, and they're entitled to make a presentation. On this new proposal or on the appeal that is before us? I don't know what the status of the new proposal is. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen an application or anything, so perhaps they can tell you more about it. Well, so, I, think, I, well I, th I think you could look at, at least uh, initially, you can look at this new proposal as a response, as their response to the appeal, their answer to the appeal. And I think at least at that level, it's worth hearing. Um, I think it's important we hear it, listen to public comment uh, that in this open hearing, and then we can have this discussion, but I think it's premature to have this discussion because we haven't given them the opportunity to respond to the appeal. Um, and we have two appeals here. We have not design review and historical uh, landmarks, and uh, both of them, there's different, very different issues between the two. And it doesn't say that we can't, for instance, make a decision on the Historic Landmarks Commission regardless of how we treat this, um, per se, and still move forward and get an extension of time to do what we can with this new design, at least at a minimum, so that the staff can give it close scrutiny and advise, um, if nothing else, so that we know that it doesn't fall outside of, in some way, the technical parameters. Um, my understanding is that right now, our job is that of the design review. Our job is that of being the historical landmark commission, the extension of those decisions, and that it's our role to make a decision based on the information that comes forward to us tonight. If we can't make a decision, we need an extension, and we ask for an extension and give good reason, and we get agreement. I think that's all for for the good in this case. Uh, but I'd like to hear everybody give everybody an opportunity to comment and express how this comes into a play towards the appeal. Well, if there's a if the question is, are we going to hold the advertised public hearing or not. I mean, I think we need to hold the hearing. I mean, I share my colleagues' concerns about the lateness of the design, but nonetheless, I would agree with Councillor Brownson that we should hold the hearing prior to make a decision. Does, does any member of the City Council feel he or she has a conflict of interest or any ex parte contacts to declare? Um, I will open the public testimony and the person speaking tonight should address their remarks to whether or not the application in question meets the necessary criteria and if not state why. The applicable criteria are listed in the staff report and may be obtained at the staff table. Failure to raise an issue in person or by letter to the City Council means an appeal of that same issue will not be permitted. If you wish to speak, please come forward to the lectern, give your name and address, and then give your testimony. And at this point, I will invite uh, testimony by the appellants. <coughs> uh, a total of 30 minutes will be provided for the full set of appellants. 
Good evening, Mayor, Council members. Uh, my name is Steve Holberg. I'm an attorney for the appellant. Uh, my address is PO Box 2007, Bend, Oregon, uh, 9779. Uh, no, it should be the same. There's a, there's a way. See that it's about to go bad. I just don't want to go bad in the middle of the chat. Okay. 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 That better? Okay. Uh, I want to introduce our team uh, before we get into the remarks, and I, I obviously have a lot of responses for what was, what was just discussed. Uh, we have Mark Hollander back here. Mark is the owner of Hollander Properties. Uh, Sam Mullen here is the uh, development manager for Hollander. We have Craig uh, Rielmeg, he's the architect, and Michelle Black. Uh, in terms of uh, our presentation tonight, I'm going to make some introductory remarks. I will certainly respond to the issues that were, that were just addressed. And I would like to turn it over to our design team to talk about why we presented to you an alternate design and how we think that design is consistent uh, with both the code and more importantly, the concerns that our team heard from the community and from the Design and Historical Review Commission. Uh, we do not anticipate, or nor did we expect, the council to make a decision tonight on a redesign. We realized that this material came in very, very late, uh, so we had, again, no expectation that the council would make a decision. And by state law, this is new evidence. The public has to have an opportunity to review everything so we certainly understand those, and we understand the concerns about not being able to see the materials before you sat down. So we understand that we certainly want everyone to have an opportunity to take a look at these materials. In terms of how we proceed tonight, we, we do have, I think, a couple of options in front of us. Uh, council has, I think, a six or seven page letter that I prepared. We could go through that, which has a lot of legalese and a lot of uh, discussion about why we don't believe the Historic Landmarks Commission or Design Review Commission properly applied the code. Uh, I don't think that's going to be a very useful use of our time. I would much rather focus on moving forward and discussing the design that we have here. Uh, what we do need, though, from the Council is some direction on historic review and historic review uh, criteria. Uh, in my letter, we have objections to what we believe to be the approval criteria for both design review and historic review. Uh, staff has indicated that various elements of the comp plan apply to both of these. We have explained why we don't believe those provisions apply. We've identified what we believe solely to be the approval criteria that's set forth in your code. And we do need some direction from council on that, regardless of how we go forward today. And in terms of how we resolve this, in terms of a remand or a continuance, what I would like to do is have our design team first discuss this with you, show you the plans, then I can come back up and we can talk about how best to move forward. Or it might be more appropriate after the uh, public has had an opportunity to discuss it about how we move about how we move forward. But I do want to hit on the historic review criteria. Uh, we readily acknowledge that the city and the public has deemed the site adjacent to the property to be an important historic artifact. 
As staff indicated, though, there are no buildings on that site. We have a boiler, we have tilings, and we have ballast rock. And while those things may qualify as structures under the code, they're not buildings. And it makes it really impossible to measure compliance with a piece of equipment in the river. And staff, instead of staff and, and the Historic Review Commission, instead of looking at the criteria and saying there are no buildings next to this, these criteria just simply do not apply to this application and move forward. What they did was they applied the criteria to buildings that used to be there, that buildings that are in the general vicinity and applied provisions of the comprehensive plan and the vision plan that simply do not apply to this application. State law is very, very clear on this matter that for a limited land use decision, only those criteria that are set forth in your development code can you apply to the proposal. And the historic review criteria, there are two of them and they're outlined in my letter. Those, we believe, are the only two factors, the only two criteria that you can look at in terms of this application. And if you look at those standards, what they say, that the purpose and intent of those standards is to make sure that if you have an important historic building, that if you're putting a building next to that one, that it's complementary, that it looks well, it doesn't stand out, it somehow is compatible with that. There is no feasible way, or we believe constitutional way, that the city can apply those standards to a piece of equipment, let alone pilings and a ballast rod. So we think the proper approach to this, and, and Councillor Brown said, I, I think what you mentioned earlier is very important. We need some direction on that. We need some clarification on that point before we move forward. Because I think we can address that issue and set aside the design perhaps for a later day and a later discussion. But I think it's very important for the council to realize that there are only two standards that arguably apply to historic review and those standards simply cannot be applied to a boiler and how you compare a boiler or pilings well if ballast rock doesn't actually qualify as a structure we believe the appropriate uh, direction for council is to say those criteria do not apply in this instance and that the an issuance of a certificate of appropriateness is the proper way to move forward uh, we don't think regardless of this design or the design that was first submitted, that it makes any difference to send that back to the Historic Landmarks Commission because they applied things that simply do not apply and are not allowed by state law to be applied to this application. May I ask you a question Absolutely. just on that point? Um, do you, in, I've forgotten it, uh, do, do you give the state law in your appeal Yes, state, state law is listed in both of our, our, our appeal notice and then in my letter uh, that was submitted. Because I don't, I don't see it in the letter it's, today. Uh, ORS 1971952. sub two. I think that might be the reference. Thank you. And when, what that basically says is that for limited land use decisions, which are decisions that relate solely to the design or siting of a project, only those standards from the comprehensive plan that are specifically included in your code can be applied. And so that's why we believe that neither the vision plan or the comprehensive plan or any other provision 
of local law applies to this application. Only those two standards that I've cited in my in my testimony uh, and, apply. And Mr. Holbrook, just so that you know, um, when there's, there's a question, I'll hit the pause on the timer. For you. Okay, I, I appreciate that. Uh, and so I can respond with the question too. If the pause, but I think again, it would be that if if code changes were implemented as a direct result of the Riverfront Vision Plan, would that then be a legal basis for the Riverfront Vision Plan being considered, or would that is that not relevant? For the comprehensive plan, comprehensive plan. Well, for if the appellant's attorney is arguing that the Riverfront Vision Plan should not have been considered, I mean that's generally with the Riverfront Vision Plan, there are uh, directives to implement it, and you know, his argument is that uh, that because it was implemented as a part of the code amendment process for the Bridge Vista overlay, that it's no longer applicable. Um, you know, it's in terms of the applicability of all the harms of plan language, um, you know, I want to be able to confer with the city attorney on that. Initially, uh, staff, it is uh, standard for staff uh, in preparing staff reports to address compliance with the conference of plan. Um, that's uh, standard for us, but I want to be able to convert the city attorney if there's any more direction. And I think if you if you look at the, the purpose statement of the BBO's standards, it says the purpose of these standards is to implement the vision plan. That doesn't mean it applies, it means the city adopted certain standards that are meant to implement that. So you don't go back to a very broad vision for the area, you look to the very specific elements that the city actually adopted. And, and if you if you look at the, the code itself, it is very clear that that for both design review and historic review, the code says the following apply only those. There's no reference to anything else. So we just don't believe that there's any way you can apply those uh, in this instance. So in terms of moving forward, what I'd like to do is to turn it over to our design team, and whether it is uh, in rebuttal or at the end of our presentation, we can talk about how we think it best to move forward. Thank you very much. Hi, my name is Michelle Black, and I'm with Carlton Heart Architecture. Our address is 830 Southwest 10th Avenue, Portland, Oregon. This is Craig Riegelnick with me. Um, just to reiterate what uh, Stephen said, we, we really appreciate you looking at the new design. This was not meant to try to railroad the process and get you to approve it tonight, but really to show how much we were listening in the previous design review and historic design review. And while we certainly need some more direction on the code and what applies and what doesn't, we do understand that there are needs uh, aesthetically that the both the Design Commission and Historic Design Commission wish to be changed in the in our proposal, and so we are addressing those. Um, so we just want to walk you through kind of how this proposal has changed, if you'll allow it. Uh, Michelle, if you want to go up, and if you want to point. I would take the microphone up there okay. if you want to speak to it. And if you want to point to design elements, use that. This is the monitor. 
previously, um, for those of you that were at the, the previous hearings, um, we looked at a lot of historic design, um, both hotels, waterfront buildings, a, a, really a, a wide variety of the historic buildings in town that influenced the previous design. And this, we've, we've changed our focus to really look at the working waterfront, which is specifically addressed in the BBO and also um, you know, the, the former cannery that was out front of our property. Um, and then while the, the previous design really was looking for, um, you know, to be a more contemporary version of a working waterfront building, this is trying to be a little more traditional in its detailing. This is a Sam Warren map from, here's the footprint of our proposed building on its site, and this is the, the previous White Star Seafood Cannery. Um, again, there's been a lot of discussion about the size, the massing, the height of our building and how it's not appropriate in the historic context of working waterfront buildings. And again, just try, to try to point out this, the, really the scale of our building as um, you know, juxtaposed against what you know, these older cannery buildings looked like in the space that they took up. Um, our building, previously you saw Nancy review is, was 29,600 and change. We're still at that same size, so under the, the 30,000 square feet that is required by the BBO. And there's a, uh, you can see a kind of central form to this that's the original Van Camp seafood building with some additional kind of aggregated um, one and two story forms around that. Uh, but even the central form by itself um, scales to be about 150% the size of the whole building that we're proposing. Again, getting back to you know what was historic working waterfront buildings. This is looking at the Van Camp Seafood um, cannery and you know the scale of the building while you know the floors are much taller than what we would use for a hotel or any really modern building um, you know looking at just trying to scale this in place we're looking at a building about 40 feet tall give or take um, and so you know again I think there's been a lot of concern about how our proposed design reflects what historically was appropriate for the the site, and um, again, looking at the, the location of um, the Van Camp Seafood on the water. The other issue that's been raised is regarding the orientation of the building. So, you know, our building is parallel to the river rather than perpendicular or out over the river, which some historic buildings were. Um, but as, as we've looked and done the research into what is historically appropriate for the site, you do see, you know, these are clearly out, built out over the river, but um, you do see these buildings that are in the same orientation as ours, that are parallel to the water. And the overland buildings tend to be parallel to the water, and the overwater buildings, again, out on piers, similar to the um, the condo that is out over the water near our site. Um, and again, here's a four-story building. Um, scale is actually quite a bit larger than the proposed property, but 
historically what? Um, yeah, so just summarizing, um, three of the big issues that were raised in both the DRC and HLC staff findings were uh, scale, well, scale and mass and height and orientation. So um, in applying not just the Van Camp Seafood Building, um, which is the closest uh, historical precedent, the one that's um, claimed to be triggering the historic review, that building is much larger in footprint and around or a little bit below the height. But when we look at height, we can, if we look uh, down and upriver, we can uh, pretty readily find historical precedents that were um, taller uh, and that had the same east-west orientation. So the, we believe that the claims um, that we are not meeting the conformance requirements uh, based on those historical precedents for, for height, for orientation, and, um, and sighting, and for uh, massing, uh, we believe this to be without merit. So we're going to talk a little bit about the new design next to the old and the specific items that we were responding to. Um, uh, the letter that Stephen sent uh, goes into quite a bit of detail on the specific findings and uh, the areas where we have uh, some question or objection. But I'll go through the findings and address them um, because whether or not they're properly applied, they represent concerns we were trying to address in the design. Uh, so the old elevation, we have a flat roof, um, a tall, circulation tower, uh, the ship inn is reused as an old building, uh, an existing building that is incorporated into the new, and um, the window detailing and placement is somewhat contemporary. In the new design, we have a new structure uh, in place of the ship inn. Um, the height is uh, 44 feet to the average roof elevation calculated for the development code meeting the maximum height requirements and conforming with historical precedent that we just looked at. Uh, in order to, to do that, we modified the framing style, pulled the building down, um, and, uh, and we were able to accommodate the uh, extra height of the pitched roof by pulling those floor lines down. Um, the elevator overrun was able to drop for the same reason, um, so that's just slightly higher than the roof peak at, I believe, 47 feet total. That, um, that's an elevator and a mechanical, uh, an area where there's a mechanical rooftop unit. It is also screened by the parapet wall. All of that fits into the exceptions, uh, one and two for development code 3.075. Um, so we feel that item B in the findings is satisfied there. Um, the, uh, and the new structure on the east side, in place of the ship in, observes the setbacks required both on the river side and in the view corridor. Um, Michelle, would you mind pointing to that just for clarity? Um, and, uh, we are um, responding to remarks we received, particularly from the DRC, regarding incompatibility of the new construction, the old ship in. Um, so in order to respond to those, we proposed, we're now proposing to just to build a, a new, still single story uh, uh, entry and lobby form um, that uh, has more compatible detailing that matches the rest of the building, although there's some cladding type change that you see there um, in order to just vary the wall planes. And, uh, the uh, non-conforming false mansard roof is eliminated. That's item I in the findings, um, so that's no longer at issue. Um, and the items that 
um, stem, there are several items in the findings that stem from um, interpreting the new construction as an addition. Um, we now have completely new construction. Everything else on the site is, um, well, the ship in uh, is being uh, removed in order to um, have a completely new uh, portion of the building. And we keep that at a single story height in order to preserve the views along that second street corridor as much as possible. Um, we have uh, revised guest room window and door malls. Um, the windows are, as they were before, recessed into openings um, as preferred in the development code. Uh, the trim detailing is more closely based on specific examples from the historic survey. We're looking particularly at the Calendar Navigation Company and the Union Fisherman's Co-op on 49th. Uh, the concerns reflected in item M of the findings um, stem from that. We believe they're satisfied. Uh, the PTHP grill, um, the mechanical grill, is incorporated as an accent panel um, <coughs> below the window. And uh, it's perfectly flush, so it doesn't appear as a projecting mechanical unit. Um, and they, uh, we added sloped water table stools at the windowsill on the bottom of the trim assembly, as well as crown molding at the head trim. Uh, we have a kind of a subtle compound detail that we drew directly from the historical precedents we looked at with one by six trim and a sloped water table above. This is the uh, old south elevation. You see the flat roof and the false mansard roof on the old ship end portion um, that is now gone with the new, uh, new portion of the building. Uh, a simple awning and cornice design and um, cladding that was a uh, synthetic wood product called Resista. We've now got completely new cladding, um, a uh, V-groove panel that's drawn from in particular the Hanthorn cannery and similar working waterfront types. Um, as far as massing, the, um, the primary wall planes are they're flat for conformance to the historic context, but uh, softened by the more classic window and trim detail and the breaks in the roof line the cladding change at the southeast corner. Uh, the roof has been modified to a pitched uh, 312 uh, pitched roof um, with standing seam roofing, a low profile standing seam conformant with the code. Uh, the previous roof was um, drawn more from traditional downtown hotel types but has been eliminated for the, um, this more working waterfront compatible style. Uh, we have an eave detail that you'll see when we look at perspectives emphasizing exposed rafter, de uh, rafter tails. Uh, intermittent shed roof dormers just to break up the wall plane and the roof line. Um, the clear story window on the lobby and entry form. Uh, it's north facing. It's actually better shown on the previous elevation here. Um, also pulled from those working waterfront industrial uh, building types. Uh, the awning, um, which you'll see a little bit more in the, uh, the renderings as well, um, but it's there on the uh, lobby entry portion um, matches the uh, other roof uh, that was brought up as an issue previously. Uh, an item O of the findings that we believe is addressed. Um, the required mechanical screening is all still provided per item H in the staff findings, which raised some questions about that. So uh, that we believe is satisfied. As uh, was demonstrated clearly in the previous submittal, but the requirements are maintained here as well. We have essentially a pony wall where you see that small drop in the roof elevation that conceals on the ship in portion that conceals some RTUs and then uh, also one more RTU on the top of the um, uh, the projecting sort of tower form um, cladding redboard and batten. Uh, the, um, the cladding is uh, 
seven-inch reveal, painted gray, um, trying to strike a balance between the historical precedent of white painted buildings and uh, the gray that we were looking at in talks with the city staff or previous design. Um, and uh, the board and batten siding we have at the circulation area, um, painted red, uh, and then the lobby entry form as well. Um, we got rid of the previous rust colored siding um, as it was a response to the boiler. Um, it, was, it was preferred that we not go that direction, so we're looking at the red that has uh, a lot of precedent in town with um, uh, a number of buildings, Red Building, Cannery Pier, um, responding to the historical context. Uh, the, um, uh, the trim is a black uh, one by, so one by six and one by eight, as I said, a more classic detailing on the windows. Um, we feel that the concerns in item N in the findings are satisfied by these cladding changes. We have uh, some steel grates, which you'll see a little on the ground floor, which you'll see a little better in the renderings. Um, they're repeated in a regular pattern, matching the windows. Um, there's uh, the signage has been reduced. There's only one sign on the south side now. It's lower on the building. Uh, the east and west uh, elevation show the old. New, um, showing glazing the ground floor, adopting a more traditional style um, with uh, a number of intermediate mullions, closely spaced mullions for a more historical appearance. And the trim detailing that draws from the working waterfront and commercial detailing of this historic period. Uh, multiple openings are captured with trim columns in between. Um, again, one by trim profiles, a larger one by eight compound crown molding in the head. That's a little hard to see, but you'll see it better in the perspective we have. Uh, the, uh, the team will continue to look at storefront frame products um, if we're allowed to continue this design develops uh, that imitate uh, historical wet glazed appearance. Um, so we'll have a, a storefront design that's more historically, uh, that appears more uh, to be more historical aesthetic. Um, they they'll have operable lights and movable panels. Um, it'll be worked into the configuration to connect the public exterior with the building interior. Uh, here we have the northeast perspective. Michelle, do you want to talk about this, or should I keep going? <laughs> okay, I'll keep going. Um, you see the clear story glazing on the lobby and entry. Oh, sorry, was the old one. Here's the new one. Uh, clear story glazing on the lobby and entry. Um, the new construction and lure of the ship in. Uh, the distinct tower piece is gone and is pushed back. Um, the rust-colored tower you see here is now gone and that little bit of elevator overrun we need is now captured within the pitched roof. Uh, the um, massing is a central simple form with smaller low-lying building forms connected, uh, like the ones created by the lobby and entry portion replacing the ship in. We have step-down patios on the north side. Um, the patio is clearly, it's obviously not a feature of classic industrial architecture, but part of the <coughs> hotel use. Um, but we try to allow this, use those step-down forms to reflect that kind of aggregated massing of the smaller forms that we, we talked about earlier. Here's the southeast perspective. Uh, more generous and traditionally designed ground floor glazing, uh, red board and batten siding at the lobby and entry and the circulation area, the gray V-groove siding and black trim. Uh, the building form was a larger central form with uh, a few smaller lower forms added in the lobby and entry area, again following the historical massing concepts. 
a previous southwest perspective and current perspective. Uh, the overhanging pitched roof uh, has the exposed even outrigger detail and an industrial looking stair painted red to match board and batten um, and a short awning uh, on the south side uh, as long as we could get based on fire code regulations um, to match the standing seam roof designed to match the standing seam. And then finally, northwest perspective, uh, looking down along the river walk. The roof line breaking of the shed roof dormers to release a long north elevation. Uh, the decks again stepping back with uh, a few longer accessible rooms bookending the building at the east and west ends. Uh, the building scale is in keeping with the modern and historic context. So thank you. Yes, there's about five minutes left. Okay. Uh, good evening. Uh, my name is Mark Hollander, uh, the proponent developer. Uh, I live in Linden, Washington. My address is, is listed. And uh, thank you for letting me present tonight and uh, allowing these professionals to, uh, to present, uh, I think, an organized uh, proposal that tries to meet uh, uh, the code that you guys have presented and put forward and uh, um, as a developer we have a lot to try to balance um, obviously your code and we do respect uh, public input and try to to uh, make something that that the, the public can be uh, happy with and uh, and and really that's what we're trying to do we're we're not Marriott um, and uh, you see the Marriott name there, but uh, we are a family company. I'm a second generation, third generation, my daughter with us. Uh, Long-term uh, um, players in all of our properties we own for a long time. All of our properties we operate ourselves um, and would do that here too. So I am absent, an absentee owner, but I do have great management. We've got an amazing reputation uh, in the industry and uh, in cust customer satisfaction and uh, we run uh, great hotels and uh, we develop good hotels too. It's just, so I know we're all focused on what's on the outside, but uh, really in the long run, it's very, very important what's going on in the inside. And uh, we do an amazing job on the inside too. Um, you know, I've been looking at real estate in, in the Oregon coast and uh, in Astoria here for about five years, trying to think about where would be a good place to land. We have a hotel in Portland, very successful, and uh, great staff there. And, um, you know, I, I looked at different sites, a lot of different sites, made offers on a lot of different sites. Some weren't available in general. Sites are quite small. Um, difficult to develop a hotel on in general just because of size. Um, generally, in the hotel business, we like to have something that's kind of hitting at least 60 rooms uh, just to make things kind of efficient, especially in a branded environment. And the hotel, hotels that we own and operate are branded hotels. That has been kind of our thing. We don't do um, a non-branded uh, hotel. We kind of like to say our hotels at times can feel boutique even though they're branded. Um, but the boutique is kind of a, you know, a hard to define word, but uh, probably the epitome of boutique could be the Cannery Pier Hotel, and, and uh, we can't be exactly that because there's a lot of parameters that are thrown at us by Marriott that which 
would potentially preclude that from happening. But uh, the thing that that branding does is it, is it also creates um, a certain amount of standards uh, that they throw on a, bit, a piece of property and onto a developer and an operator, uh, which I think are important to the community. And uh, so we comply with those. Um, it's unusual that that somebody of our size, we're rather small developer operator, to be able to also operate our, our own hotels. And uh, we make long-term commitments. Uh, we rarely sell our properties. Um, I think uh, you know we've had properties like as long as 30 years, and even at 30 years, we're still top of the market in, in the hotels that we build, even though they may not be necessarily what someone would consider the, the top brand out there, like a Best Western. And uh, but um, you know I think uh, you know when we make a commitment to a prop property, it's not something that we're a, we're a merchant developer. We're we're here to stay, and uh, we we do want to do it right, and uh, we do want to hear people, and we do want input. We want we want to get constructive input, and uh, I think some of the the standards that are put out there are really quite frustrating from our standpoint as a designer and a developer that it just there's just it's been hard to try to interpret this code and uh, it's been hard to live within the parameters of this size uh, 30,000 square feet is not big for a hotel and uh, we're having to to uh, scrimp and save everywhere I mean you saw on on the outside design there the 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 um, exterior stairs the exterior stairs isn't included in the square footage of the 30,000 square feet. So, you know, would I rather have the stairs inside? Yeah, I would, but it, your code forces me to try and, and make things work. I mean, I, I would rather build a bigger hotel. I'd rather have more rooms and put the stairs inside, but the code doesn't allow me to do that. So, um, we're talking about a lot of aesthetic issues. So, I, I want to try and land the plane in this town and uh, create a hotel, and uh, I'm just really hoping that we can figure this out soon, right? Because I think it's a legitimate, a legitimate uh, proposal, and it's a legitimate plan. And I think that the town actually, in a sense, needs this. I think this is actually a community need, um, and the existing hotels are are busy, and Marriott brand brings additional. Uh, business into a town, um, and that's a really good thing for the city. So I hope you consider consider our appeal and think about it, and uh, and definitely um, you know give this new design some consideration, and and definitely looking for some feedback on this new design. You know, and uh, we're not looking for a decision today, but uh, definitely some feedback. So appreciate appreciate your time, everybody's time. Thank you. Thank you for all your presentations. Appreciate it. Um, is there anyone else in uh, here who would like to speak in favor of the appeal? What is the appeal? Uh, anyone who would speak against the appeal? Okay. And Mayor, are you going to set time limits? Uh, yes, three minutes. Yeah, I'm still Jan Faber. Okay. Curtis and Tim Harrison and Stuart of Oregon. Um, I want to thank the uh, presenters tonight for making some accommodations to some of the issues that were raised before the Design Review Committee. Um, my 
concern again is that they should have been brought to the design review committee and I would hope that this would be remanded to that committee once again. Um, they spent a lot of time. They're really familiar with the code sections um, that they applied. They have an architect on board. Um, they did a lot of legwork on that. And I think if you want to, well, I think we should respect them enough to, this is, as far as I can see, this is a re, what did say, withdrawal of the appeal that was originally presented to you. Um, it's not an appeal anymore, it's a new proposal. And um, if they want to bring modifications to the design review committee, um, that's where it should go. And I would really urge that you do that and go through the process and get their expertise and all the things that they bring to it before you start reviewing um, their actions. As far as the design itself goes, I really appreciate that um, developers want to maximize, actually it's their profit. I and mean, when we talk about feasibility, there are two-story hotels, there are one-story hotels, there are three-story hotels that function quite well all over the world. So um, this particular developer wants to maximize um, their profitability on the land that they have um, purchased. And that's admirable, but that we don't have to we don't have to go along with that. Um, in reviewing a proposal for our city, we can decide what do we want there. And um, it's always interesting that the the views that are most attractive are the ones neither looking at the front or the back of the building, because it doesn't quite show um, the impact it's going to have when you're either walking on the river or driving through town. But when you see Either, first of all, you can't tell the front from the back too well, so I'm going to use this for both. Um, when you're standing either on the river walk or coming down the street, this is basically what you see, something that stretches the entire length of that lot and completely blocks any views of the river. And from the river walk, it blocks any views of the hills or the sky, um, and it's quite massive. So I think the Design Review Committee It's certainly appropriate for them, to, for them to look at that among the other uh, criteria. So anyway, I would just urge the council to treat this as a withdrawal of the appeal that was presented to you originally, remand this back to the design review committee and let them do their job. Thank you very much. Thank you. Anyone else? Again, I'm Michael Miller, and uh, I think he outlined most of all the points that I'd like, I'd like to say that you know these individuals are not a lower board; they're a superior board. They're the board that's, that's specifically set up with experts and people in this knowledge, and to try to and to try to litigate all of those details, then you would have to be as knowledged as they are, which you're not. Your only role, from what I can see, to be here is to make sure that they have fit up applied the law fairly. Now they're saying that they didn't apply the law fairly, but they're not talking about those points where they where they didn't. Instead they want to talk about a new design. Well, if it's a new design, it has to go through the legal processes the city has set up, in my opinion. Um, I don't see how I'm wrong there. But anyways, yeah, I mean, these are our neighbors. I mean, they, they talk about what goes on inside. Yeah, a 
okay, that's important. That's more. That's the most important thing. So what goes on inside? Well, what goes on inside of our community? Well, in our community, we have two boards, and these boards are good and decent, and have put a lot of hard work into what they do, and they deserve the respect and the authority they've been given. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Loretta Maxwell, 1574 Grand Avenue, um, Astoria. Uh, I would like to echo a lot of what Jim said. Um, I don't think these are showing the real impact of putting a building up in that area uh, for, for, for the good of most all of the people coming through that area, people that are visiting, people that live here, people that live across the street, people, anybody. Um, it also doesn't show, it show, you show the second street where the building ends on second street, um, but I'd like to see how much it blocks the view at the other end of the hotel, like a, a, a view straight on from that, from Marine Drive, um, like the perpendicular of that picture. Um, the reference to the, the vintage uh, canneries that were built decades ago that are gone, that are now those posts that are in the water, isn't, isn't especially relevant right now, how tall they were, because they're <coughs> not there now. We don't have that. Um, but I do appreciate that you, on your third try, you did change the look of the building so that it looks a little more appropriate um, with what we've had in the past. I'm a little puzzled why you haven't, instead of trying to build this and get us to take this bitter pill, you haven't tried to uh, buy the Astoria Warehouse, which is a building that's already there. It has a whole lot of room there. You could be leasing it out for other people. You could have huge events. You would have parking you could lease out. Um, and you could put windows all over that whole back of that, and we wouldn't really care. Um, that would be my suggestion. That's something that is already there, already goes with the neighborhood, and would give you a lot more opportunities to, to expand and, and use. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Someone left, or this is supposed to be, whoops, Elizabeth Minitrade. 3849 Grand Avenue, Astoria. I, I'm a little puzzled to start out with, uh, am, are we being told that the Riverfront Vision Plan does not apply to this? Is that what, I, I'm a little confused about that because 
Did I did I hear that incorrectly? I'd like you to respond, please. So, uh, so what the appellants were uh, arguing is that application of the comprehensive plan policies dealing with the riverfront vision plan are not applicable. Uh, is not didn't we incorporate riverfront vision plan into code? That's correct. We did. So would not. So that code does apply. Correct. Uh, they're, they're not arguing that the development code does not apply. They're saying that the comprehensive plan language dealing with the riverfront vision plan is not applicable to this case. I'm a little confused still. Okay, so there's, there's, a, there's a comprehensive plan document and right. then there's the development. Right, document. I know. Yeah. So the, the riverfront vision plan had some action items which included updating the development code yeah. to uh, refer to and apply the provisions of the Riverfront Vision Plan. They're not arguing that the development code does not apply. There still is comprehensive plan language and a separate document which they're asserting okay. is not applicable to this. This case. is a public document that I could see? Oh yeah. What's that? The comprehensive plan? Yes, that's the, the one that's online. Correct, correct, plan. correct, correct. Okay, are we going to be able to see the specifics it's in the, that are being argued by? Yeah, so it's, it's in the appeal packet, okay. uh, which is posted online on, uh, on the city's website. Thank you. Uh, because one of the things I'm looking over here for our development code is I don't see the view corridor here. There's supposed to be a 70-foot view corridor, uh, and that, I don't know how that's going to happen with the, the design they're having here. So that's one thing I wanted to mention. Uh, having those view corridors are very important to our connection to the river, whether we're driving on Marine Drive or walking. But that's one thing in the development code that this cannot, uh, does not address. Thank you. Anyone else? Street. I um, really appreciate the new design. It looks like a lot of hard work went into it, and um, I see that you picked up on a lot of comments and feedback from the community. Um, and we're uh, paying respect to um, the historic aspects of our, of our town, but uh, in the um, process of uh, talking about um, um, historic review and design committee, it was made clear that if we were going to submit a new design, that it would have to go through design review again. And the appeal here is based on what, you know, design review and historic landmarks commission uh, rejected. So the uh, fair process is to resubmit these designs to design review and historic review board and stop the discussion. Anyone else?
and the public likewise should have the additional time to review the documents in order to be able to uh, give you feedback. Uh, I know they say they're concerned and really want to respect the city. It's very sad that the city had to send a formal letter, I believe, in order to get the landscaping cleaned up along uh, Marine Drive after many citizens told them it needed to happen. And then, as I walk along the river walk, they may have done Stephanie's cabin, but it is still a mess around the ship inn. So people walking this uh, river walk are looking at landscaping that is not cleaned up. 30,000 uh, square feet may be too much for this site because it cannot handle the parking. Um, they're using every square foot now and if they bulldoze Stephanie's cabin, then they'd be uh, able to handle it. But that's not their plan. Their plan is to open that. Their plan is to need additional parking for that. Their plan is to have that additional parking across the street and then in the parking lot. It is currently used partially by the human resources um, for the state of Oregon. What a lot of people don't realize is that that uh, department is in the process of expanding. Uh, I believe it's a data processing center. They're going to need additional parking. I'm assuming that they plan to have that additional parking at that uh, empty parking lot. So now we have another place, another business here in town that needs that parking lot. Uh, how much? I'm not sure. But it's not necessarily going to be all there for these people to use. The other thing you need to consider uh, is Chevron is trying to clean up that area. And they've come up with some nice proposals, not for the parking lot right now, but I think in October they plan to uh, cap some areas along the uh, trolley tracks. They're processing how to clean up some hot spots in the river right now. At some point, they may clean up that parking lot in such a way that they don't have to deal with it anymore. At that point, present owner may have a better idea of what to use that land for. Right now, Sherburn says no, but they keep coming up with new ways to clean up hot spots in other areas. I would predict, I would say by the end of this century, they'll have a method to clean up that site, and therefore it's no longer a parking lot. So you need to think about where parking is going to be if this place cannot use that empty lot. And thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, um, anyone else? Okay, come forward. Glenn Boring, uh, 1 3rd Street, Astoria. Uh, I was at the uh, first meeting in the Red Building when it was presented in the a lot of community input. Uh, I was at <clears throat> the time when the uh, both of the committees voted, and by the time at the time they gave the preliminary vote and the the second final vote to deny uh, this request, uh, I am intrigued. It would seem to me that the task of the city council tonight is to approve or deny. The appeal. Uh, the new design has nothing to do with that appeal. Uh, 
I'm impressed with the new design. I keep wondering why it didn't come up earlier after the discussion at all of the public meetings. Um, I just find that uh, limits are interesting things and people usually want to push those limits and they don't want to go any further than they would have to do. I, I could be wrong, but it would seem to me that the appellant here was anticipating a denial of the appeal, which is why you have a new proposal. Uh, and I wonder how many times we would come around uh, and if it's denied again, would, would we have a, a new proposal that might get closer and closer to what the community feels fits in that location? Um, so once again, I'll <clears throat> join the others who, say, who have said in, in one way or another that the, the task is evidently to deny the appeal because they really didn't address all of those things, at least in this public hearing. The focus of attention was on the new design. Uh, and that new design, the role of the city council, if I understand that, is to sit as, uh, that's where the appeals would come. The material has to come through the other two groups before it should ever come to you. So I would just say that I, I really do feel it ought to be appealed if they or it ought to be denied. And if they are really interested in developing that property with the input of the community, they come back and start over again with a new design if they would care. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else before we provide time for the appellant to Rebut. Rebuttal? Madam <laughs> Mayor, could we have five minutes to confer on our team before sure. we rebut? Thank you very okay. much. We'll take a five minute break. Okay, the appellant will come forward. Total of 15 minutes will be provided. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Uh, thank you for giving us a little time to, to discuss this. Uh, in terms of how we move forward, uh, it's sort of our understanding and expectation that the council is not going to make a decision tonight on the design review portion. But as I said, I, I do want to focus on historic review provisions because our view is whether this proposal goes forward, the original proposal goes forward or a house goes there. How you interpret the historic review uh, criteria don't change. Those, those aren't impacted by the design of the hotel. Our position is simply that those criteria cannot be applied to any building when there's not a building against which to measure it. And so we, we are going to be seeking a decision on the design review portion of our appeals tonight. And I'm oh, sorry, our historic reviews. Thank you. And, and for those in the audience, we, we have submitted both written materials in our appeal 
as well as earlier today we submitted, which is more, more of the same from our appeal. So those materials have been before the city for a while in terms of our, our historic review uh, arguments. Those are not new. But we don't feel that going back to historic review is going to make any difference in terms of the design because the criteria are the same and they can't be applied in a rational way when there's not a building against which to measure those criteria. In terms of the design review portion of this, uh, it's our understanding, at least our belief, that the council is likely to want to remand this proposal back to design review, and we are more than willing to do that if that is the, the desire of the council. Uh, they do have the expertise to measure design, uh, so we can talk about an appropriate period of time, which we, we think is about 90 days. That gives us time to submit anything that staff may think is, is necessary to get into the record in terms of details. Uh, and certainly if it comes back to this council on appeal and we're close to that deadline, we're more than willing to discuss that deadline at that, at that point. We, we don't see a situation where we're going to be suing the city. Uh, I do want to say just a few things in rebuttal, though. There were a number of comments about it's just, it's just too big. It's, you know, it's, it's just too tall. Your code specifically allows buildings of this size, of this orientation, and of this height. Through the design review process, that's, there's, there's not a way to modify height. Design is about the design of the building. Your, your code, when you implemented the code, you made decisions. You made decisions to allow buildings no larger than 30,000 square feet. You made decisions to limit the height to 45 feet. And applicants have to see those provisions in the code and live by them and understand that they're gonna be held to those standards. And so while we respect concerns of the community, the city has made decisions in its code to allow buildings of this orientation, of this height, and of this mass in this location. So you know, again, the, the role of design review is to look at the design and, and is it reflective of what the code is. And so we're, we're more than happy to go back to the Design Review Commission to evaluate this design, but the issues of height and massing are, are really not before the Council or the Design Review Commission. Those decisions have already been made by this Council or a prior Council. Um, I don't think it's going to be beneficial unless the Council is willing to make a decision tonight to talk about specific design elements and respond to some of the concerns because we fully anticipate you know, another public hearing before the Design Review Commission uh, on our proposal. Uh, so I think that is going to wrap it up for us tonight. Uh, I suspect there may be some questions just in terms of timing, but that is our proposal back to the City Council is to uh, remand it back, remand the Design Review portion uh, back to the Design Review Commission. I'm happy to take any questions that you might have. Thank you. Um, at this point, we would normally close the public hearing, but uh, if we're going to continue, we continue this. We. Well, I think that it. You know, I think. You know, I think specifically, uh, if there are any questions, um, that would be maybe appropriate right now, and then maybe have some dialogue from the council as to what they want to be able to do. You have essentially two hearings open right now. Uh, you received a uh, request from the appellants to make a decision on the Historic Landmarks Commission item tonight. Uh, said they would be receptive to 
a uh, remand to the design review committee for that portion. Um, they, there was the caveat of 90 days, I would say, before that is determined. I would like to be able to have a recess to work uh, on that. I do have concerns with 90 days, but maybe we can talk a little bit about timing um, and be able to confer about the, the specifics of being able to get the public notice and, and everything in place. But uh, at, at least, um, Mayor, if you want to perhaps look at uh, separating these two items and having some, some discussion um, as was uh, requested uh, by Mr. Holbrook. Mm -hmm. I think we'll do that, yes. Thank you very much. Um, I, I yeah. just have a few questions for the oh, applicant's attorney, if you don't mind, Mary. So, um, so uh, just, just to be crystal clear, um, you're okay with extending the 120-day rule if we were to um, remand back to the design review committee correct okay and then I I I'm not a lawyer and I'm hungry and I don't know if I'm gonna articulate myself very well here but um, you know I, I would disagree with your point about um, whether or not the you know historic review is necessary here because there are no buildings um, one example is uh, there is a proposal for a cell phone tower in a historic park. Um, there was no historic building, but the park was historic. Um, and we didn't feel that the cell phone tower was compatible in a historic place. And I think the old boiler and the pilings um, and the ballasts, you know, do deserve uh, development that is compatible. And um, the new design, as your architects pointed out, is more uh, traditional working waterfront. And therefore, um, the new design uh, perhaps would be more historically compatible with the remnants of the cannery buildings that used to be adjacent to the new proposed um, hotel. So if you're asking me to uh, deny or approve your appeal tonight on historic landmarks based on the design that you guys gave me before, um, I would I would probably uh, deny the appeal. So do you really want me to do that or would you rather me remand, and I don't, I don't know how the other counselors feel, but would you rather me deny your appeal for historic landmarks, or would you rather send back the new design that's more traditional working waterfront to the Historic Landmarks Commission? I yeah. never like leaving a hearing with a denial. Uh, put, it, put it that way. That's, that's never very fun. Uh, I, I think, however, uh, maybe there is a way to, uh, to split this, is we need some direction from the council on this matter because I don't believe there is any rational or constitutionally supportable way that you can measure a building against a boiler. And I also think what the design group, Historic Landmarks Commission, did was they applied standards that are just not set forth in your code. They, they applied the Riverfront Vision Plan, the Comprehensive Plan, they measured it against buildings that are no longer there. That's, that is a direct violation of your code. Your code does not permit that, and they, they did that. And so uh, I need to look at my, 
my client on this, if, whether we're willing to go back, but at, at a very bare minimum, if, if our choice is denial of our appeal or going back, I'm assuming we would go back. But we, we desperately need some direction from counsel on this. And a remand order can include that. A remand doesn't just say, here you go, it's all yours. Remand order can say we've made some certain decisions on this. Within these parameters, you have to make a decision. So at, at, a, at a very bare minimum, unless, unless I hear otherwise from from my client, we need that going forward. I, I don't want to walk out of here with this denial, but we do need to walk out of here with some clarification from the council. Okay, <clears throat> thank you. And and Zeddy, I respectfully. Uh, disagree with you um, on this. I, I agree with the appellant on the HLC. I don't believe that there's, there aren't, there are no adjacent buildings, and I don't believe a new building could be required to what was there historically. Um, in the HLC minutes of June 25th, it stated the applicant was directed to follow criteria for a working waterfront. What are those criteria? Does anybody know? I, I mean, I, I understand what, what the quandary is on this because I don't understand either what, what those criteria are or how you can, you can require a new building to be compatible with buildings that were there historically. Well, let me say that, uh, Mr. Hollander, I remember when you gave your presentation to the Port Commission in four or five years ago, which was right about the time that this Bridge Vista portion of the Riverfront Vision Plan was uh, enacted. And uh, when I heard your presentation, even though you were denied uh, by the Port, I, I knew that you were going to be around, and I began at that time to realize that the east part, the eastern part of Astoria is going to change drastically over the next few years because people are interested. So some of the things that that we that some of us don't like uh, are are they're just in the code and they're allowed, and uh, unless we go about revising the code, which there has been uh, zero interest on the council of doing that we're just going to have to suck it up, basically, and, and, and get with progress. There also, I believe, there are some problems with the development code. In fact, I think there are probably many problems with development code. One of them is that in too many cases, it looks back and not forward. Um, and so that we are, are kind of, in a way, stuck with this working waterfront uh, uh, definition or criteria. Sometimes that's good and sometimes it's not. I think there's room in Astoria for some uh, good design that goes beyond working waterfront, um, but that's not allowed. Um, the branding, uh, Marriott is a, I, I, oh, and just to finish up on Mr. Hollander, after that pre uh, presentation at the port four or five years ago, I sort of started looking you up. You do have a very good a reputation for running very good hotels. And uh, Marriott brand, I, I don't have any dyspepsia with that. The design, uh, as we see it very briefly tonight at first glance, is, is um, much improved. And there's been, a, I think, a big value to having this presentation here tonight. But I still believe that we 
um, we need to we need to deny both uh, deny the appeal on both grounds. Uh, we we are a working waterfront town, and and I don't think it's up to the council now. I don't think we can sit here and rewrite the code, uh, which is what that would require. Um, so I, I would ask that you allow the 120 days that you send this much improved proposal back to design review and historic landmarks and and let's continue to go forward. Process wise I don't really understand if or can we remand the appeal which which was of the previous design with guidance to look at the new design or are they two separate matters that we should deal with separately? I mean I had thought the first matter we would deal with was what, what is our stance on their appeal to the original design and forget the new design? And so then once that matter's closed, then the next step. So you have two items to be able to consider, both the Historic Landmarks Commission's decision and the Design Review Committee's decision. These options apply to both cases. So you, you would need to take uh, action on both the Historic Landmarks Commission's decision and also the Design Review Committee's decision. But on the old, the old, <laughs> The old plan or the new plan? That's what, that's Mr. Henningsgaard is picking up the microphone right now. Where? Well, yeah, let me take a step out of it. Well, it hurt me too. That's all about it. take these things one at a time. And the first one would probably be easiest to, to uh, deal with historically, uh, sites review. Uh, the appellants have asked for some specific findings um, of long interpretations of our code, uh, which really can only come from you. It's not a design question, it's a reading, reading the code and interpreting it to give some guidance to, uh, for in this case, historic sites, uh, when, if and when they do review it. So the section that's important is 607L, um, no, six, yeah, 6070B, Historic Landmarks Commission Historic Design Review Criteria. And uh, the, uh, it, this deals specifically with the request to construct new structures, the design of the proposed structure is compatible with the design of adjacent historic structures. So the question is, is it possible to design a building that's compatible with the design of a pile of rocks and a boiler in the water? If you can find that it's not, then I suppose you should approve the appeal and historic sites has done this. But that's going to require some findings from this board as to whether what that really means. What does it mean to have a structure that's compatible with the design of what's out there, the historic structure that's out there? Um, the, the other criteria is that the location and orientation of the new structure, as the hotel, is consistent with the typical location and orientation of adjacent structures, that's historic and non-historic structures, uh, considering setback distances between structures and so forth. So, if there's an issue with respect to that 
Um, I suppose there is something for historic sites to review. Um, but you need to make findings with respect to those two sections. So, and I don't think you can probably verbalize them tonight, but that's something you're going to have to look at and think about. Uh, the second uh, appeal is the design review appeal. And then the question then is, uh, what do you want to do with it? What the appellant has shown is that uh, there is room for movement uh, to address some of the questions that were raised by the design review. I think in their appeal, what they're saying is the design review committee was initially wrong how they applied their criteria, but they have suggested ways that they're willing to modify their um, design irrespective of, of their disagreement with the original decision. So I think it is very appropriate to remand that uh, decision back to um, uh, design review. Now they've also raised a couple questions about the design review process. That is, does, does the uh, bridge vista uh, overlay zone uh, or the riverfront vision plan does that control your interpretation or does it apply? Uh, and I think uh, you'll want to make some findings of that to help guide design review. The same with respect to uh, does the comprehensive plan directly apply to this? Uh, and uh, those kind of findings, I think, should come from the, uh, this commission to uh, help guide design review uh, in their future task in, uh, of looking at that. Any questions? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any other comments from the council? Uh, yeah, I just have a couple. Well, I'm curious whether when you began work on this revised design, and was it in your back pocket all along, or did you truly begin work on it once the previous design was denied at the lower level? It was not in our back pocket. No, we, we began work on it after the denial. I asked the question because, of course, we didn't attend all those <coughs> meetings because we were told that, that we shouldn't. Um, but looking back on you know, reading in our packet of all the comments that were made and all the minutes from the previous meetings of the other commissions, it would appear to have been sort of obvious that the first design was never going to fly. So I'm just curious why you didn't submit a design that was more compatible with the community, what the community had expressed, both from public comment and through its representatives on the design review committee and the HLC, why you didn't submit a design like this in the first place and then could have made perhaps some tweaks to it and then we'd be having a different discussion tonight. Yeah, hi, I'm Sam, uh, 119 North Commercial Bellingham, Washington. Um, I was at the community outreach meeting and the uh, hearings and this meeting. So sorry, that's why I'm jumping up to be like, oh, I've been there. Um, so a few things, one, Craig is obviously, he's being truthful. We didn't have this in our back pocket. Um, we tried to, Michelle and I were actually at the first community meeting. We tried to respond to the feedback we got at the first community meeting. And we, of course, internally are gonna think we did a really good job and we tried really hard. And of course, that's not obviously the impression. So we thought we reacted to it in many ways, changing small details with windows and that type of thing. And we attempted to go through those at some of the review, <clears throat> the last hearings. 
Um, this was a more radical departure. One uh, really primary driver of this departure is that initially we had considered a construction method that actually required um, thicker floor plates. And so this is actually the reflection of changing the construction method of the building, which is boring to get into modular versus site build, but it's, subst it's substantive. It was a few inches per floor, which aggregated over the building, kind of let us pull it down. Um, so we did change it drastically, and then just briefly, and I apologize, I, I take good notes um, when I can read them, and I found my notes from the 25th, uh, and, I, and I wanted, because I understand the idea of, of going through the right process, um, and the hesitancy of going against or back or questioning the DRC or the HLC's findings, and the HLC gave really good feedback at the meetings. Um, Mr. Osterberg, and I apologize if I'm uh, pronouncing that incorrectly, but he gave really good feedback. Um, we appreciated uh, his approach to it, and he, they were having a lot of um, difficulty interpreting how this would apply from the structure standpoint to a boiler. And I remember near the end of it, and uh, Craig will remember too, I'm sure, um, and we have the record, so I'm not verbatim, but he was having a difficulty applying it, and he came to the conclusion that it was a historic landmark commission and that um, because he had nothing to compare it to, that in essence what he was advocating for was simply a landmark building. And my recollection of that is that he was saying it just needs to be good. Um, again, not verbatim, but I say that to illustrate that there's been difficulty in, in how that commission, perhaps especially, is supposed to apply these criteria. And so I don't know that, um, at the very least, uh, better guidance on what they're supposed to be doing, but I don't know that they themselves would be particularly upset saying it is a difficult task to apply it, but we want a great building, and then in that regard, perhaps sending it back to DRC satisfies both, both committees. So, sorry, I wanted to answer your question, but I have my notes from previously. Thank you, and just to clarify, uh, I just wanted to ask the question, I'm not accusing you of having given an untruthful answer, so thank you very much. Uh, so then, Beyond that, I did want to say, I mean, I do uh, agree with the appellant that determining how to apply historic compatibility standards with that particular historic landmark, which again, it's a piling in a, a piece of rusty machinery and a pile of rocks is, is problematic. Um, and it, it would have been good, I suppose, in retrospect, if when that area was designated that perhaps we'd ask the question then, so what does this designation mean to us in the future? How will we apply this designation? And we wouldn't have to be kind of wrestling with that now. So I, I certainly would agree it's problematic. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really have a lot to add. I'll look forward to further discussion after we close the hearing. I, I would say that um, after reviewing all the preliminary material before we saw the new design, and then seeing the new design and having, fortunately, having the time to kind of walk through it, take a look through it, and, and through your discussion about how, uh, how it's a response to what you heard at the design review. Um, and I thought it was a pretty good, in general, a pretty good response. I think that you uh, showed a great deal of respect for, despite your disagreement, because you did disagree right on down the line with their findings, that despite that, you <coughs> responded to it in a, I thought, a very positive way. Um, so I, I do want to say I appreciate that, and, and, and I say that also uh, 
as justification for remanding it back. That this is not necessarily, it's a new design, but it's a, res, it's a specific response to what the design review uh, came up with. And so that I think in that way it, 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 it falls in that category as not being a brand new proposal. You know, say any of the comments I have for council discussion. Do, do we want to try to answer the basically one, two, three, four questions that the city attorney suggested we have <coughs> under, well, under HLC? Uh, do we think the structure is appropriate? Is the location appropriate? Is this, is the structure appropriate? Uh, as an historic in, inappropriateness to the historic character of the area. I think you know what I'm talking about. And the other one was um, on the DRC uh, that we probably would remand it um, back to the DRC. But uh, then the question were the questions were does the Bridge Vista overlay control or apply this area, and does the comprehensive plan apply? Did you suggest that we should be answering these questions tonight to provide guidance? Well, I think the appropriate uh, procedure would be to um, make a tentative decision, I suppose, and then um, direct staff to come back with a set of findings that address those questions for you. Uh, and those findings that would be specifically discussed and, and adopted. Um, Mr. City Attorney, just a procedural question. If there were a remand, would you anticipate a set of findings to go along with the remand as well? Yes, I think the findings that uh, would help uh, direct the deliberations of the remand would be helpful. Okay, can we separate the two then and talk about uh, Historic Landmarks Commission first? Whether we want to remand that, or whether, uh, uh, or whether we want to um, uphold uh, or deny, <laughs> approve. Okay, um, the appeal. I'm go along with the appeal. Okay. Uh, what does does anybody have a motion to make or? Um, well, are we still in a public hearing right now? No. Yeah. 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 The public hearing has not been yeah. closed. It has not been closed. Yeah. Not been closed. So I'm just wondering if it's oh. we need to close it or we're going to have continue our discussion. Okay. With, but with if I close it. You're, you're able to reopen it if you need to. But okay. Okay. I'll close it. Close the public close hearing. The public hearing yeah. Okay. Well, as I, as I stated at the beginning of the meeting, I think in light of these new designs that were submitted this afternoon um, without staff having an opportunity um, to do a technical analysis, without the public having an opportunity to even see the designs, um, the fair thing to do would be to send um, the design back to DRC and HLC. Well, I would argue, I would argue that going back to design review is appropriate, but I, I think, for me, I think I have enough to go on to, um, to make a decision on the uh, historic review. So I'd be 
happy to make a decision about that at that point. Because it's, let me just, so, you know, um, my, feel, my feeling is that it's correct, it's really hard to juxtapose a, a brand new building against what's out there historical right now. But what I, what I do want to see, what I do would appreciate, and, and what I'm seeing in this new design is a, a nod to the history of the area and uh, in, in what the new building looks like. And I, and I think that, for me, that takes care of it. And I would, um, I would be happy to, uh, to not uh, approve the appeal HRC because it's really a discussion about what's a building got to look like compared to pilings and an old heating unit and a couple of rocks. It's just not a criteria that we, I have no room to judge and, and, and I don't think we can, but we, we, we can take a nod to the neighborhood, to the historical neighborhood and the, the nature of that. And I, and I think that if uh, if the HRC had gone there in maybe a different way, it would be okay, but as, as what I've read and what I saw, I don't think so, and I, I would uh, uh, reverse the HRC decision. HLC. HLC. I, I agree that the, the new design is more compatible um, with a traditional working waterfront, and therefore maybe more compatible from a historic landmarks commission review standpoint with the historic structures that are out in the water. But again, even as the attorney for the developer pointed out, new evidence has been submitted and the public needs an opportunity to review. We would be making a decision not based on the new design. We would be making a decision based on the design that we have studied and that the public has gotten a chance to study. Nobody here tonight got an opportunity to comment on whether or not they think this new design is historically compatible or not. It just doesn't well, seem fair. Okay, I'd be happy to ignore the new design when it comes to that appeal because that is, doesn't necessarily have to apply. This this is a design review appeal uh, portion, so I'm willing to take that off the table and just talk about what uh, the historic appeal is on face value based on the evidence that was presented to them and their findings. Yeah, I don't. I don't see how, I mean, if we're going to send it back to the HLC, we have to give them some reason. We have to give them some guidelines for what they're supposed to be doing, and there really aren't any Well, in this case, because the buildings aren't there. The adjacent buildings aren't there. Excuse me. Sorry, excuse me. Um, well, I, I have uh, on the two issues that the city attorney's uh, brought out structure and location. Location, I don't have a problem with. Structure, though, th these are. this is all the criteria that the HLC considers. This is a lot of criteria, and I'm not willing to cede that uh, right now on this new proposal. I, I think that, that is, um, that's too much. Um, there, there may be a problem. Uh, I realize that it's difficult to design a building you know, listen, have you seen the Kohler commercial? People design houses around faucets. We can design buildings around boilers, perhaps. <laughs> you know, uh, so 
but but the, the, the HLC uh, has uh, a lot of considerations. It's an important job, and I think that if we see this tonight, we're saying, oh, if somebody wants to build something, and there is something out there that's historic that we think is important to us, but it's not a building, then then all the historic landmarks criteria do not have to be addressed. And I, I don't want to do that. Well, well, I, well I think that in, in, this, in this case and in future cases, in future cases, I mean, I, you may have a good point there, but it's, I don't think we have the time or the ability to kind of come up with a, a the criteria to new criteria, and it'll be new criteria because they they attempted to apply the existing criteria to their findings, and and they they tried, but I think they failed, and that's why I would but not. Perhaps, but perhaps this will pass, but let's let them decide, and let's give the public the opportunity. Let's go through the public process with this new proposal. That's what we were saying. The, the point was, their, one of their main points was that it was a, uh, uh, they kind of sought the past, what used to be there, not what's there now. And I just disagree with that premise. So that's why, that's part of why I disagree with, with their findings. So, you know, if it's by, based on what's there now, there's just nowhere to go with that. I, I can't possibly, I can't design a building around the boiler. Not that it would appeal to me. So, that's my opinion. Yeah, so just in regards to the Historic Landmark Commission side of the appeal, I'm looking up at the, the, the criteria outlined there, scale, style, height, architecture, detail, materials. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm in concurrence with the uh, appellant that is regarding the size of the, the footprint of the building, the height of the building, the mass of the building, I don't know how uh, we can try to apply standards that are more stringent than the code. I mean, the code specifies the height and it specifies the square footage. And I don't know how the presence of the historic remnants of a boiler uh, on the water behind that lot affect that in any way. I, I would, you know, if, if I were a member of the HLC and had been involved in those discussions, I think I would have probably argued that you can, as far as architectural detail, well, you, yeah, you can say this is a historic structure, we know what the original structures there look like, and yeah, we can apply some architectural detail standards. So in terms of guidance back to, if it were to go back to the HLC, in terms of guidance, I mean, I would, I would say the guidance would be to focus on architectural detail and not height, uh, scale, orientation, or any other thing to do with the size of the building. Well, I'll make a motion. <laughs> I move that we tentatively approve the appeals request to, reduce, to reverse the HLC decision. Um, period. So, and Just Mayor, that one. Mayor that Council, one. on that, on that item, uh, in that you have a tentative decision, we would need to return to a subsequent city council meeting uh, to have a final set of findings uh, brought to you for consideration. Um, that will take an extension of the 120-day rule 
to be able to get to the next regular city council meeting of September 4th. Um, so I would ask uh, if there would be uh, an extension of the 120 day rule for the HLC item for a few days to be able to get to the September 4th city council meeting. Also, typically our, it's our protocol that the uh, uh, prevailing uh, party's attorney prepares a draft set of findings to be able to incorporate it with staff findings. And so I'm looking to the appellant's attorneys as well to determine whether that time frame is an adequate time for them to prepare a draft set to be able to get in a council packet um, the week prior. So that really and truthfully is, you know, a few days. Madam Mayor, may I approach that? Yes. So we have a motion. Yes, we do. I think you do. So if I understand the motion would be to approve our appeal. Uh, we have no problem putting findings together. It, it occurred to me as I was sitting there is that I, I think it would be most appropriate if you made a tentative decision, we could prepare findings. I would not want a final decision until we get something back from DRC so there's no confusion about what the council approved. Does that make sense to the council? Because assuming that the DRC approves it, approves our design and we're not back here on appeal, the council at that point can take that evidence and make a final decision so both decisions are synced up. So I'm making myself yeah. Better. So maybe if I, let me try to provide some. Maybe some I, I get what you're saying. So what what Mr. Holberg has proposed is if there is a tentative decision tonight, they would continue to provide a draft set of findings. However, those draft set of findings wouldn't come back to the city council until such time the design review committee decision is final, or else if it happened to come here again considered by the city council, consider those those HLC findings at that time. Correct. I just want to make sure that everyone is on the same page with what was either approved or unfortunately denied. So the, in this case, what would need to happen is the 120-day rule for the HLC decision would need to be continued out. Correct. We would um, have to be coterminous. Co to a coterminous amount with the whatever is determined for the design review committee. Correct. Okay. Was the public hearing reopened? Yes, please do. Yeah. I mean, because if he's up here talking, the public hearing hasn't been reopened? That wasn't the evidence. That was just suggestions as to how to proceed. Okay, because I see because because I see there's at least one audience member that has something to say. Do I reopen it? Excuse me, so we have a motion and a second a here. Do you wish to withdraw the, the motion? No, the motion was correct. You can have discussion after a motion is seconded. Okay. Right, the motion was for a tentative approval. And I believe, Mr. Hennigard, what you're saying is that uh, Mr. Holberg coming up and providing clarification is procedural, not substantial to testimony. Is that what you're saying? Yes. So I can. I can reopen and, well, and um, call the question. First. Allowed, uh, pardon? Call the question. Call the question first. Okay. Call. Call the question. It's your, it's your determination of whether you want to whether you want to reopen. You you have several options, Mayor. Your options um, 
are to be able to uh, have further discussion amongst the council <coughs> with regards to the motion that's on the table. You have the ability to be able to uh, reopen the public hearing if you wanted to, but if you reopen the public hearing, we would need to go through the whole process of, of, of taking testimony and rebuttal. Um, or else call the motion, call the question now. I just have to speak for the people of this city, many, many of them that have very strong opinions about this, that we come to meetings, that we participate, that volunteer, that the committee, such as the Historic Landmarks Committee, could spend a great deal of time and care into what they do, and I feel like it's, they're not, the people and the, the committee are not being respected in, in the work they do and, and the hard work I just, I'm appalled, really. I'm, I'm just a little emotional about this because I've spent 11 years working about the waterfront and we put a lot of effort into it and there's so many processes. The bridge vista was very flawed, very flawed. And he's correct, is the code. They can build that high. They can make it 30,000 square feet. That is the fault of, I don't well, I'll bring send fault. But I just, I think that the people of the city are being let down. You know, I, I really think it's a mistake to just describe a landmark as a pile of rocks, a chunk of steel, and some sticks in the ground. And <clears throat> If you're going to go about that route, we could use that description towards many historical pieces of architecture around the world. Um, I think it's important to stick to our guns on our landmarks. And maybe what you should do is maybe put another comma after materials and have the word and there and give reference to historical structures that might be there. Pilings are a structure. Steel chunks are sculpture. And a pile of rock can be designed in many different ways. So I think it's important. I'm not arguing their design, but I am arguing what you're stating on how to come to a, um, an agreement on design. And so I, I want you to respect our historical landmarks and this deserves landmark architecture. Like a lot of places, Mount Hood, Crater Lake, all over our state. So stick to your guns. Thank you. Thank you. Chris, will you state your name and address? Oh. Chris Hitchcock, 68712. Thanks. Thank you. I'm just curious as to what kind of precedent this sets for the Historic Landmark Commission. I mean, are you basically saying that if there's 
not a building nearby. You don't even have to submit plans anymore to the Historic Landmark Commission. There's, there's no consideration if there's no buildings nearby. Somebody could build a, uh, a pyramid, a Ferris wheel or something like that just because there's no adjacent structure. It seems to me that if you're going to go through this process at all, you have to at least allow the commission to see the new structure. And if you if you decide after they make it, if they approve it, great, no problem. If they turn it down, then it can come up in the regular course of appeal, and you can decide at that time that there's no way that they can make a decision based if there's no structure around. But by just pushing it aside, you're basically saying they have no function in this process. And I just think that's a wrong, a wrong decision to make. And the whole thing has been called, this is not the fault of you or the people in the audience. It's the fault of the um, proponents bringing in a proposal, a new proposal at the last minute. Um, now, as long as one of the things is going back, why not give the Historic Land Commission a chance to weigh in on this new design too? Otherwise, what you're approving is the old design, and there's going to be no review by the Historic Land Commission of the new design. And that just doesn't make any sense. And this is not really a penalty. I mean, it's not going to extend the time for anything. It's not going to change your ability to overturn the Historic Land Commission if you come to the same point again. But you're dealing with something new. If you're going to send one back, send them both back and see what happens. Okay, thank you. said about taking, denying their appeal, allowing the Historic Land Commission to have another look. I'd like to know, it's too late, but it would really be nice to know what your thoughts would have been if they would not have brought in another proposal. Because I really think this proposal is tilting some of you to deny the Historic Land Commission being able to see the new proposal prior to actually taking a vote. Uh, I think it tainted uh, your vote, uh, and I wish it hadn't been here like this, um, but it was, and I'm afraid that some of you are going to use it in the back of your mind, whether you say so or not, to lead you to deny the historic Landmarks Commission to actually have another bite at looking at this and giving their input and they really deserve that. They're the professionals you should rely on. Uh, they give up their time. Uh, you should not kind of throw this back in their face. Uh, they need another chance to look at this and give, them, give you their professional input. And I thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, can we close the public hearing? <laughs> oh, yeah, yes, okay. Again, Steve Holtberg, I will be, try to be very, very brief. In, in terms of the historic review appeal, it wasn't our, our position was not that the design is consistent. We, our argument is that the criteria cannot be applied in a way that is constitutionally valid. Our understanding is what the council is essentially saying is, is agreeing with us. Whether it's this design or the prior design doesn't really matter because the Historic Review Commission 
It's not going to be looking necessarily at the design. We do think it's appropriate that you hold your final decision until the DRC decision either comes back to you or is final. But again, our position is that the criteria, we, we, we appeal the application of the criteria, not their vision of the design. I just wanted to be clear on that. Okay, I'll close the public hearing and council discussion on this. On the motion, council discussion. Uh, well, because it would devalue our historic landmarks, because it would devalue our historic landmark commission, because it would say that our historic landmarks commission is not in compliance with state law in certain ways, and because it would approve the old proposal, I will be voting no. I will be voting to deny the appeal to uh, uh, the HLC. Yeah, well, I just want to be clear. I respect the historic landmarks. Let's not confuse what I'm saying with that. What I, I'm really talking about is that the Historical Landmarks Commission really had a difficult challenge in front of them to try and apply their criteria to this particular case. And they did the best they could, and within that, they found some reason for denying. Now, I just want to say for the record, having reviewed all of that, before I saw this, I was in agreement with Hollander on this, that the, the Historic Land Commission really just tried to stretch something that I think the criteria is just needed, needs more work to ferret out. It's an interesting situation. It's going to take some discussion. And, you know, we're not done with this. Um, with this type of situation. This is going to come up again and again and again. So I think this is going to help inform everybody. I, I just wanted to, for I'll read a couple things here. One is from the Bridge Vista plan. Um, and it said, and it's, so this has specifically to do, this is sort of the background to the code. And this is where, uh, where I think it comes into play. I know that the code is a reflection on the river vision plan. It's kind of the nuts and bolts, finally, how we're going to interpret it in code. But behind that, when there's a question about what does that code actually mean? What do these details mean? There's some verbiage, and I think that's when they refer back to these things. They're, they're kind of trying to help them understand what uh, historic detail means, for instance. So it says, preserve sweeping open vistas, incorporate built elements that respect and complement the working riverfront character, maximize open areas. Bridge Vista is adjacent, adjacent to Uniontown, and design should be consistent with the character of Uniontown, Alameda Historic District. Um, in the code, it's a design review guidelines. It talks about these guidelines promote architectural elements that unify the gateway area by encouraging styles characteristic of Astoria. The historic architecture of Astoria is represented by a variety of styles. 
Differences in details may be seen from one neighborhood to the next. These guidelines advocate the simplicity of design, which is characteristic of Upper Town and the working waterfront. And it goes on from there. But then you get the idea that there's, there is verbiage behind the code. And, and it is important to respect that when we apply the code. And when I looked at the original design, I saw no respect whatsoever for that. I saw, basically what I saw, I saw a, a, ho a hotel motel, similar to anything you'd see anywhere else. Yeah. Pretty much. And, you know, we had a work session, and I remember having a discussion about visioning for Astoria. And one of the, one of the things that Councillor Jones brought up, I remember very clearly, he, he said, you know, what I hate to see is that when you drive into Astoria, that it looks like any other town USA that you drive into. Oh, there's a uh, red lobster. A red lobster. <laughs> you know, you see, you see that everywhere. It's like, oh, where am I now? And so I think that for Astoria, my feeling is that I want it to be something unique. I want it to be something other than the usual stuff. Um, and I thought that first design was just was just that. And uh, so I was really quite pleased to see this new design. I said, well, okay, now you're talking. Now we're talking about something. I, th I think we need time, and I think we're going the right direction on it. But I want to say that I think that I disagreed before, and I still disagree with the Historic Landmarks Commission's findings. Um, and I'm not disrespecting them. I understand the hard work because I just started to go, I had to dig through and it is a hard work and, and there's a lot of time and effort and, you know, I, I know we get paid well for this, but <laughs> it's, it's true, so those are the rest of my comments for now. Okay. Mayor, before you call the question, I. I I think some clarification to the motion may be in order that would be considered. Um, you know, the motion was uh, to uh, approve the uh, appeal and to deny the, to tentatively uh, approve the appeal and to deny the Landmarks Commission's request and uh, to bring back findings to a subsequent meeting. I'd like the motion to also state uh, that it, uh, the findings would be brought back to the city council uh, at a later date um, once either the design review committee's decision is final uh, or else when, uh, if and when an appeal was brought back before City Council, and that the uh, applicant acknowledges to extend the 120-day rule to a commensurate time for the Design Review Committee's decision. It's a long motion. I was going to say I don't have to repeat. That. No, but, but, I, but I wanted to make sure that that was that, that we have heads nodding as to procedurally what would be happening here uh, in moving forward, because this provides the direction as to when these findings would be coming back to the City Council for consideration. 
Okay. Mr. City Manager, can I just ask a question? And I hate to even ask it because I know we all want to get out of here tonight. But, um, you know, I'm a citizen representative. I've been elected to represent the people, and that's what I'm trying to do. And I just wonder, is it really fair to hold out on adopting findings for that long? I mean, what if, a, what if somebody wanted to appeal um, to Luba? They just have to wait and wait and wait and wait for months until the findings were adopted? a citizen can appeal to Luba? What has been proposed, um, you know, the, an appeal would be filed once a final decision has been made. Um, and so I'm, well, I see the city attorney stirring over there, but uh, it would be a case where the, in the motion, um, you know, as what's been at least procedurally requested by the appellant, um, that's uh, what is on the table. Okay. Doesn't seem fair, but okay. I hear that's in the motion. Okay. It, it has been moved and seconded, and I will not repeat what it was, but um, anyway, to um, reverse the HLC decision, essentially. Ten. Tentatively. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Nay. Nay. The motion is approved then. Uh, and you would, will not need to read the language into the record because that would come at a time when the council, okay. uh, in terms of uh, procedural language for Luba appeals, that would come when the city council would consider the final set of findings. Okay. And then I would like to make a motion. I'd like to make a motion to uh, remand, refer the uh, uh, design review committee appeal back. How? Oh, worried on that. Uh, back to the design so, review. So, so the with this, if you were looking, if you were looking to remand the. Design Review Committee application DR 1801 back to the Design Review Committee. It's been suggested by the city attorney that you also prepare some directives, some, some findings to go along with that um, as to what you uh, feel about uh, what they should be considering and with regards to some of the appeal items. Has been a suggestion by the city attorney. There are no uh, directives which have been produced by the council yet. So I think that that it would be maybe wise to be able to you know, make a motion to be able, if you're doing so, to remand it back to the design review committee, and uh, then maybe have some dialogue as to what you would like to include in those findings. Um, that's something that we would need to be able to uh, prepare and bring back to you at a sooner city council meeting uh, to be able to uh, provide that, that time frame. I will also say that um, this is a dialogue in terms of how long um, uh, the design review committee will have. I'd like to be able to have a conversation uh, with the applicant's attorney as to specific time frame because I want to make sure that we have enough time for notice uh, and hearings and also 
if necessary, another appeal before the, the city council to be able to fall within that, that time frame. Uh, so, Mayor, I don't know if, if uh, it would be so. It would be something that you would consider maybe taking a quick time out, if if that's something that you're wanting staff to be able to to be able to come back with you on. I, I don't know this the direction. So, okay. excuse me, Brett, Mr. Um, it's not. It wouldn't be enough to send it back, saying we have with all the new information, saying that we have this whole new design elements and that we would like them to be re, to be re-reviewed. You, you could do that in mind. You and could do that. It be as simple as that. You could do that. However, the city attorney has also advised that if there are some items that this council would like to be able to weigh in on and provide direction to the design review committee, you should consider adopting a revised set of findings. It's, it's your choice as to how you wish to do that. Um, but it's at least something that was suggested by the city attorney. I, I, just, I just question whether we can get to all the, we, we, we can get, get to that tonight, whether we are able to find I'd like to hear from the rest of the council on that, but what it would take to, yeah. to do that. The problem is that we're, we're mixing things here, and, 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 it, and again, we started out with, we were going to address the appeal that came before us, and, and, and now we're, now we've, and the appeal was uh, one thing, and then now we've split that, and we've, we've, uh, approved the appeal, so we've approved the orange building, not the red one, and all the stuff that's in that. And now, I, what it seems to me that makes most sense is to deny the appeal, so you deny, you deny that orange building, which means that we agree with uh, all of the things, or can say we can agree with all of them, uh, that the design review committee said in their findings. We deny the appeal. And for this new proposal, we ask that it go back through design review. But, but it, combining things really mixes things up and puts us in a really wanky place with our code. And we're, we just approved the old proposal. We just approved the old proposal with all of the language in it that said some uh, Pretty serious, made some pretty serious accusations in a way about the way the historic landmarks committee uh, conducts itself. So, it, it, I really can we not do what we came here to do, which is address the appeal before us and then address the new proposal. If we deny the appeal, we can't remand it back to design review committee, and the right. uh, apl applicant could appeal um, to Luba. Or the applicant could see that this that we have talked about there we like this and just go back to design review. They could, but we we have it sounds like we have a clear path if we just send it back to design yeah, exactly. review with the new information. Well, then that they then let's do what you said. We we remand it back and to take a look at the new proposal and let us know what they and, think about it. 
and rework their findings accordingly. So, only thing I would ask you, if you're just wanting to do a simple remand of the proposal, I would like to be able to have a timeout to be able to work through the 120-day rule issue and to determine specifically how much time, because uh, we, I, we need to get this established tonight, because actually Ms. Ferber has a form that we will actually need to get signed by the applicant this evening once this is all through and done uh, to be able to get get things in place. Okay. So can we have a, a timeout, Mayor? So, so uh, just we can't go ahead and just say we're going to remand to the DPC. Mayor. I, I would, I would, Mayor. We need to have an established 120-day okay. rule to make staff Fine. comfortable with moving okay. forward, and, sure. and I'd like to be able to have the time to to, to work with the okay. the attorney.
That would be an important point. I guess the other thing, while Nancy is looking for that code provision, Mr. Hanningsgaard, can you speak to also the ramifications to the motion which has already been approved by the city council? Where the HLC decision is brought back to, for findings at a later time. Well, that, of course, neither one will be a final decision until you have a written order that's signed. Mm -hmm. And so um, you can grant one and deny the other. Uh, okay. Procedurally, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. So, Ms. Ferber? There are only limitations on filing for planning commission, specifically. Planning commission is six months. It doesn't mention any Is there a second to Councilor Price's motion? Okay, it dies for lack of a second. I'd like to uh, move the Astoria Council remand the design review request VR 18 01 um, for recon to the uh, DRC for reconsideration. Pending uh, an agreement for a 120-day extension. Yes. And, and council, the applicant has uh, signed a waiver for a 120-day extension from uh, August 23rd. Is there a second? Second. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Okay. <laughs> we all breathe. <laughs> Okay. Uh, let's see, that. So that ends those two items. Mayor, you have one last item on the agenda tonight, and I believe there are people who do want to address the council. Okay. Um, that concludes our regular agenda, but we have uh, uh, time for new business and miscellaneous public comments at this point. Page two of 19, um, 
I want you to know the little yellow straight lines coming off of the um, river walk, which they call a river trail. Those are the corridors that people are going to have to walk out from the river walk in order to be able to see the river under this plan. They want you to think of it as 14th Street or 6th Street. No, that is not the way these are going to be. There's going to be buildings on both sides of those, on either side. They also want you to perhaps get rid of the parking uh, limitations that we have. And we just don't have available parking to allow that to happen. You would turn to the next page, 3 of 19. Number one, we're supposed to promote physical and visual access to the river. Number five, enhance the river torque trail. This does not do that in any way as documented. But the main line is one I underlined there. It says allow managed views of the river through building corridors. Going back to that other page, that's where those little lines were, the little trails going north out of the uh, river walk in between buildings, trying to get to the very end of that to be able to see the river. I want you to turn to page, in the interest of time, turn to page 13 and 14. In, in all the hearings, I'm seeing the uh, person use slides like what you see at the bottom of page 13. Remember, we're supposed to have managed corridors. That's what the text says, in between building structures. So at the bottom of page 13, Slide number two, the first one kind of shows that with buildings on both sides. The slide two, or three and four, the next two, they do not show that. They give you the impression that you've got this view kind of like 14th Street or even the one at 6th Street that you have views on, on, on the sides of that. But that's not the language that's in the text. The text says you have structures on both sides and they're managed views. Please note that they do have buildings along the south side of the river, or the trail, but they don't have buildings side by side on the north side of the trail. So the slides are not accurate according to the text. You turn to the next page and look at the bottom. Same thing exists. You have design A in which you have a building there with a corridor in between. That's probably a little more accurate, but the next two slides are not accurate. They give you the impression that there's no buildings on the side, either east or west of those corridors. But go back to the text and they say that there, needs, there will be buildings on either side. If you turn over to the next page, on page 16 of 19, the first two slides give you the impression that there's only going to be buildings on one side, when in reality, if you look at that, What's really going to happen is kind of what you see in the third slide down below, in which there are buildings on both sides. So what we're going to end up with, this thing is ultimately built to its ultimate design, is you're going to have buildings on both sides of the river walk between 2nd Street and 16th Street. And not only that, then to be able to see the river, you're going to have to go in between buildings out to the river point to be able to see the river. Read the text, and that's what it, the, the slides do not depict this. You should not allow these slides to be shown on September 12th at the, at the presentation to the public. You'll be misleading the public if you do so. Even, even the, the one slide here that shows buildings on both sides, the separation between the trolley and the building 
shows much more than the 10 feet that is supposed to be that I have underlined underneath. So they're showing you a depiction that is not true. You'll be misleading the public in doing that. On the next page, 17 to 19, roof-mounted equipment, any buildings that are north of Marine Drive, that should be included into the height of the building. I mean, even this last proposal uh, is at least three feet above the height of the limit. Previous proposal is maybe six or seven feet. There's buildings out there that are 10, 12 feet above the height limit right now that I can point to. So the height limit should include the top. And then finally on page 18, do not allow inaccurate depictions to be presented on September 12th to the public. There's other things in here that I skipped in the interest of time to deal with parking. There's no parking available. I mean, I, I mentioned on the, the project we just heard um, that the parking lot they're thinking of using may be consumed significantly by the Oregon Department. Okay, and they need a good portion of that. And, and yet, the, the parking lot that's on 6th Street, that's being consumed all the time. I walk by that all the time, and it's already used. If those structures that were burned down come back, then that, that's already used up. Where are these parking places that are supposed to happen? When the city ends up doing what they're supposed to, according to the state of Oregon, at the intersections, we're going to lose 200 more parking spaces in this city. I'd like to know, do not allow this plan to eliminate parking, because that's the push that's going forward on this. The other thing that bothered me was uh, the idea that your, your designs on this uh, show balconies looking over the riverwalk. That's going to drive people crazy using the riverwalk. You shouldn't allow structures to have balconies. That's on page 16. They, they have the, the balconies looking down on the riverwalk. Imagine both sides of the riverwalk with balconies going down like this. Uh, and then people up there that going to destroy what we have in the city. So I didn't cover everything that I underlined. I hope you don't just carry this when you get home, but spend a little more time with some of the notes I have and maybe instruct staff or instruct and consultant not to use some of these slides that are misleading, but you're going to ask the public for their input, and the input is going to be based on misinformation, at least in this person's opinion. Thank you for the extra time. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay, the meeting is adjourned. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so.